Kim breaks her silence on Kanye's breakdown, agencies refuse to protect the DNC, yet another death by BLM protests, AOC takes on Representative Yoho, and social media dictates which doctors you should hear. All that on this episode of The Johnny Ray Show. Kim Kardashian opened up in a tweet about her husband Kanye's emotional speech at his presidential rally last week. She said, As many of you know, Kanye has bipolar disorder. Anyone who has this or has a loved one in their life who does knows how incredibly complicated and painful it is to understand. I've never spoken publicly about how this has affected us at home because I am very protective of our children and Kanye's right to privacy when it comes to his health. But today, I feel like I should comment on it because of the stigma and misconceptions about mental health. Those that understand mental illness or even compulsive behavior know that the family is powerless unless the member is a minor. People who are unaware or far removed from this experience can be judgmental and not understand that the individual themselves has to engage in the process of getting help no matter how hard the family or friends try. Now, whether or not Kanye has been or is insane or sane, I think this type of response and the response from the left is indicative of the lunacy of this country in 2020. Because when Kanye has done some crazy things in the past, there was no media outing, there was no lambasting, there was no name-calling by the left. They were all relatively silent on what he said when he had his left-field opinions. But the moment anyone, including Kanye, speaks in objection to the left's narrative, it opens up. The moment anyone mentions a baby being a baby and we shouldn't kill it, the moment anyone mentions believing in God more than just some distant deity, the moment someone says they love America, it must begin. Three topics that 15 years ago anyone would have more or less agreed on are now the hot-button topics of defining the sane from the insane. We'll get into sane and insane in just a few moments, but first. Today, podcasts are all the rage. Everyone wants a voice, and now Anchor has given you that voice. Anchor is the easiest way to podcast, whether it's political or fun, about parenting, or just your day-to-day routine. Anchor is the free, easy way to get heard. Anchor allows you to create, edit, and publish your podcast right from your smartphone or your computer. Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so you don't have to. It's everything you need to create a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. Okay, over the last few days, over a 100 agencies have pulled out of securing the DNC convention that's set in Milwaukee for next month due to the recent policy changes barring law enforcement agencies from using crowd control substances such as tear gas and pepper spray. Sources say the police departments were a part of a collective outside agency poised to send officers to secure the event, which will be held from August 17th to the 20th, 
where Joe Biden is expected to be named the party's presidential nominee. The action comes after the Milwaukee Fire and Police Commission directed Milwaukee Police Chief Alfonso Morales to change department policy to restrict the use of tear gas and pepper spray. The Civilian Oversight Commission issued the directive last week in response to the use of tear gas on crowds during the protests that followed after George Floyd's death. The event has been scaled down to mostly a virtual event, but they're still saying that around three to 500 people are expected to attend in person. Speaking with WTMJTV, Police Chief Morales did not say which agencies were pulling out or how officers were still how many officers were still to be expected. The original plan was to have at least a thousand officers from outside agencies making use of the National Guard and federal assistance was being considered. In Wisconsin, Fond du Lac Police Chief William Lamb told the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel that he expected more agencies from the state to withdraw from the program. He said, We regret having to do that. We respect the Fire and Police Commission's decision, but in this particular case, we strongly disagree with the actions they've taken. And I think this is a great response because in the last few months, these oversight committees have taken so many abilities away from the law enforcement officers, the police officers, and the departments. I mean, where does it end if not here? They've taken basic defense, defense maneuvers in hand-to-hand -hand combat away. They've taken tasers in some instances away. They've taken guns in some instances away. I mean, for Christ's sake, they want to defund the police altogether in most. And now the ability to stop riot and mob assaults. I mean, where does it stop? Eventually, the cops are going to be walking around unarmed and unable to defend themselves. Then you'll have officers just being murdered in droves. And a lot of people are saying, well, it's mostly virtual. There's only going to be three to 500 people there. Okay. And? I mean, we've seen several riots that destroyed cities with four to 500 people protesting. They burned police departments down. They killed black small business owners with less than 500 people involved in the riots. I mean, take for instance, CHOP. That was only started with like 260, 270 people. They took over the, the, the entire police precinct and, and seven city blocks. So it's not like three to 500 people is an unfathomable rate. And speaking of deaths at the hands of peaceful protests, the police found a charred body Monday inside the burned down pawn shop in Minneapolis after a Black Lives Matter rally, peaceful protest, or what normal people would call a riot. The body is yet to be identified. Another man was shot and killed in, I believe, the same riot outside the Cadillac pawn shop in Minneapolis. That man was identified as Chuck Horton Jr., a black man who was shot in the torso and dead upon arrival of EMTs. Reports say a crowd of protesters stood by filming the body and discussing what happened before a police officer arrived and began CPR until the EMTs finally arrived. 
So the crowd of protesters, those peaceful, peaceful protesters that everybody's just raving about, stood by as a man died. By their protest, mind you. He died from the protest. He was killed during the protest. And instead of attempting to help, they streamed his death live on social media. Morally repugnant. Just, just morally disgusting. It truly is. I say all that because those stories, those are stories you won't hear in the media. Barely any coverage. Yet over the last few days, the media has been all over a white man who was shot in Austin this past week at a Black Lives Matter rally. Garrett Foster, a 28-year-old veteran who was attending a BLM rally with his uh, black quadriplegic fiance Whitney Mitchell. He attended the BLM rally with a AK-47 type assault rifle strapped to his back. He was quoted in a video uh, with a local reporter earlier and he had to say this they don't let us march in the streets anymore so I got to practice some of our rights I mean if I use it against the cops I'm dead and I think all the people that hate us and want to say bleep s to us are too big of blank to stop and actually do anything about it. It. I'm a huge advocate for gun ownership. Anybody who knows me knows that. I'm a big Second Amendment. I have several guns. I'm always trying to educate people on their rights as far as gun ownership goes. But I will say, if I'm driving along and I see a crowd of protesters who, by the way, are the same type of protesters who over the last few months, have been dragging car owners out of their vehicles and beating them nearly to death, if I see those and they're blocking my driving path, my maneuvering ability, and then one approaches me with an assault weapon attached to his back, strapped to his back, I'm defending myself. I mean, it, it literally takes a split second for someone to gain an advantage over someone, and I will not concede my safety or my family's safety. It's just not going to happen. Now, the car owner did call 911 and report that he had shot Mr. Foster, and he claimed that uh, he was fired upon first. The police there in Austin had a little different account, said that it was not that he fired first and somebody else had fired toward his car as he drove away. Um, he was detained until Sunday and then he was released. But nobody's talking about both sides here. All the left are screaming is how a man was killed. Yes, a man was killed. And would you have you had those same sentiments when the driver didn't access their constitutional right and were beaten nearly to death? No, the answer is no, you haven't. In fact, you championed the rioters who did those things. You cheered them on while they bludgeoned truck drivers and car owners for simply driving on the road which is designed to drive on, not protest on. So, it's befuddling how the, the mainstream media of CNN, MSNBC, and all these can 
say that they want gun rights taken away from everybody, but they champion this guy who had a an assault weapon strapped to his back like he was going to Iraq. It's it's crazy at the double standard. Two people who were utilizing their constitutional rights, one was doing it in a, a little bit of a fashion that probably brought on his his ultimate demise. I mean, nobody has has said you should go out here and and strap down with assault rifles strapped to your back. Nobody has said that. People do that, yes. But this guy, he willingly put an assault rifle on his back, went to a rally of people who have a history of being violent and and harassing people and assaulting people. And then everybody wonders why a person shot him. Probably because he is in a group of people who have a history of violence and assault on people for simply driving on the road. By the way, constitutionally peaceful protests are allowed, yes, not on the road. That's illegal. So not only are these people criminals from the onset, but he has a gun strapped to his back. If I see that as a person, I would do the same thing. I can I can almost guarantee you that. I know a lot of people say, well, you don't know what you would do until you're in that scenario. You're right. Most of the time, you don't. But I can tell you nine times out of ten, 99.999997% of the time, I would have done the same thing. Because I have seen enough videos of people being drug out of their cars, beaten to death, beaten almost to death, thrown into buildings, stomped on their head, stabbed, beaten with lead pipes. I've seen enough of those videos that I am automatically going to assume that if a crowd of people surround my car and another person walks up to my vehicle, that that's exactly what they're going to do. That's what I assume they are going to do. And these people always say, well, you shouldn't think that they're going to do that. But why wouldn't we? If every day, every day that you walk out your door, I punch you in the face. Don't you think that after a few times, you're going to assume that when you walk out your front door, you're going to get punched in the face? Spoiler. Rhetorical question, yes, you're going to assume that because that's basic comprehension of reality. That's something that the left lacks a vast majority of. They are under the impression that these these riots are quote-unquote peaceful protests. They're not. They're not peaceful. Some of them have been peaceful. You're absolutely right. But the ones that have been peaceful aren't the ones we're talking about. Every time we mention riots, you automatically associate that with, you conflate that with 
the the peaceful protests. We have not on the right hand side. We have not made mention of the peaceful ones that have had no issues. We are talking about the ones where police precincts are being fi set fire to. Police cars are being flipped over on their tops and set on fire. People are getting shot. People are getting beat to death. People are getting dragged out of their cars for simply driving. That's the ones we're talking about. That's the ones that we are alluding to when we say these riots are killing people. There have been more black deaths in Black Lives Matter riots than there were all of 2019 unarmed black deaths. It's ridiculous. There's been so many, and the, the media never talks about those deaths. They talk about the ones that, that they want to use as a narrative. So now we've talked about the one in Minneapolis who was shot outside the pawn shop. So let's take a look at some other people who were killed during the riots over the past few months. Of course, the, the one that is a little bit publicly notarized, but not nearly as much as it should, is the 77-year-old retired St. Louis police captain who served 38 years on the force and was killed while checking on his friend's pawn shop during the riots David Dorn. He was simply checking to make sure that the pawn shop was still, you know, standing and not ransacked too bad. And he was accosted, assaulted, and shot and killed during those protests and riots in St. Louis shortly after the George Floyd incident. The next one was in Oakland, California, where Dave Patrick Underwood, who was 53, along with another officer, were killed when they were providing security at the U.S. courthouse during a protest and shots were fired from a vehicle. It said Underwood, who's a black man, and the other officer were contracted security officers employed by the Department of Homeland Security's Federal Protective Service. It wasn't immediately clear if the drive-by shooting was related to the protest, Though the federal building's glass doors were smashed and the front entrance was sprayed with anti-police graffiti. And yet nobody has been arrested for that at all. Same thing with David Dorn. Nobody was arrested in that exchange. Are you seeing a pattern here? Let's continue. The next one was in Indianapolis, Indiana where two people... One, including a 38-year-old Chris Beatty, who is a former offensive lineman for Indiana University. He was known as Mr. Indianapolis and remained involved with the Hoosiers long after his graduation. I am at a loss for words. The news of the passing of Chris Beatty is just devastating. Coach Tom Allen made a statement afterwards. The circumstances of Beatty shooting weren't Immediately clear, but some media reports said it happened near his apartment. It came the same night as an 18-year-old man was fatally shot as protests erupted in the city of Indianapolis. So again, nobody has been arrested, nobody's been detained, nobody's been questioned. I'm, I'm trying to show a pattern here, I'm hoping you're getting it. Let's continue. The next one is David McAtee. 
Police and National Guard's troops were trying to clear a crowd and heard gunshots and returned fire, killing David McAtee, the owner of a barbecue restaurant. The mayor fired the police chief after finding out officers had not turned on their body cameras. McAtee was a 53-year-old African-American man known for offering free meals to officers who stopped by his restaurant. The mayor said, We lost a wonderful citizen. David was a friend to many, a well-known barbecue man. The acting police chief, Robert Schroeder, said that the video from the security cameras at McAtee's business and an adjoining store showed McAtee firing a gun as officers approached. The video does not provide all the answers, but we are releasing it to provide transparency. So, this is one where a man fired at the officers and was killed. I don't think necessarily with his track record of offering free meals to officers that he disliked the police, but during riots and, and these unrestful quote-unquote peaceful protests, it's no wonder that somebody is trying to defend their business from people who may try and destroy it. Do you see where I'm going with this? Let's continue. The next one's in Davenport, Iowa. Police are investigating the deaths of 22-year-old Italia Kelly, who was shot while leaving a protest outside of a Walmart, and a man found near where suspects exchanged gunfire with police. Kelly and a friend were getting in a vehicle to leave because a protest had turned unruly when she was struck in the back by a bullet. She was always smiling, always laughing. That's why it's so sad that she was taken in such a violent way, her grandmother said. That is not Italia. She was the bright, bubbly, big personality in the room. So this is an instance where a woman had common sense to say, okay, the peaceful part of the protest is done. It's starting to become a little bit out of control. I'm going to leave. And for her efforts, she got shot in the back by a person who was in the riot. And of course, no arrests have been made. I'm starting to see a pattern here, and I'm hoping you are. I know I keep saying that, but I'm hoping you are. Let's continue to the next ones. we got a couple more. In Omaha, Nebraska, James Skurlock, a 22-year-old black man, was killed after authorities say he tussled with the owner of two downtown bars. Surveillance video of the strip of bars shows a clash among a group of people, including James Skurlock and Jake Garner, the white bar owner. Two people shove Garner to the ground and he fires shots in the air. Seconds later, Skurlock is seen jumping on Garner, who then fires the gun over his shoulder, striking Skurlock. Authorities have declined to press charges in the death, calling the shooting self-defense, but Garner could still face misdemeanor gun charges because his concealed carry permit for the gun had expired, said the police chief. So this is an instance where multiple people were assaulting, at the same time, mind you, this bar owner, and he fired his gun in self-defense, and and you could watch the video. Obviously, I can't play it over audio because you wouldn't know what's going on. 
but go watch the video. I've watched this video a few times now, and you can see he, he fires the first shot, and it's kind of like a warning shot, kind of, you know, hey, get back, you don't want to do this here. And then several people push him to the ground, and he you see Skurlock jump on top of him, he fires over his shoulder, so he's laying on his stomach, he fires over his shoulder, and hits Skurlock, killing him. That's, that's all re relative to the riots. Because if they weren't rioting, and they weren't tearing up the cities and burning down buildings, they wouldn't have been in there jumping this white bar owner. Again... It's a pattern. In Detroit, Michigan, a 21-year-old man who was unidentified at the time was shot while sitting in his car with two other people during a protest. According to the police report, the man was sitting in the driver's seat of a car in a parking lot with two others when someone opened fire and then ran away. Of course, no arrests have been made in that either. So, this is another person killed as a result of protests and riots going on all across the country. In Chicago, two people were killed during the unrest in the suburb of Cicero. According to a town official, a spokesman, Ray Hanania, did not provide details about those who were killed, but said it happened during the protests. Okay, so if you're, if you're looking at all of those... They all have a few things in common. One, they were all shot. They were all shot and killed. Two, they were all shot and killed during these riots that have been going on ever since George Floyd was killed in Minneapolis. All of these are a result of the riots and protests that are being called peaceful, but are, are not turning out to be as peaceful as you would think. So, what can we do to stop this? Well, a couple of things. A, stop rioting. Stop tearing up cities because you're unhappy with something. That is the reaction of a five-year-old. My, my eight-year-old daughter tears up something when she's upset about something I tell her to do or don't do. Grown adults, grown men and women, should be able to sit down and civilly come to some sort of arrangement to, to fix a problem. They shouldn't immediately go out and start burning down buildings, taking over cities, flipping over cars, assaulting and bludgeoning and killing people because they are upset with how things are are in, in a particular place. I'm not saying that we have a perfect police force. I'm not saying we have a perfect country. I'm not saying we have perfect anything. But what we do have is morals. Well, I should say what we did have are morals. Now, it is a race to see who can cause the most damage... And, and cause the most ruckus, and, and that's who gets what they want. We are teaching the, the future generations, our children, that if you don't like the outcome of something, all you have to do is throw a temper tantrum, tear something up, and you'll get what you want. 
And that's not how we should be raising our children. That's not how we should be teaching the future generations to go about it. So what we should do as a whole is to stop, take a step back, and say, is this how an adult would handle this situation? And I guarantee you, nine times out of ten, these rioters and these protesters, these are the ones that have grown up getting participation trophies and being told that they deserve something. You don't deserve anything in America. You don't. The only thing that you are deserved in America is what's outlined by our God-given rights, the inalienable rights that are given to us by the Constitution. And on to more leftist lunacy, AOC and Ted Yoho had some crosswords over the last few days. Last week, Republican Florida Senator Ted Yoho had an encounter with Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, where she claims he called her a few choice words, including an effing B. Yoho went on record apologizing for the things he had said, but the left obviously doesn't care about apologies so long as it's the right apologizing. AOC then went on a lengthy rant replying to the senator's apology. Here, take a listen. About two days ago, I was walking up the steps of the Capitol when Representative Yoho um, suddenly turned a corner um, and he was accompanied by Representative Roger Williams and accosted me on the steps right here in front of our nation's capital. I was minding my own business, walking up um, the steps, and Representative Yoho put his finger in my face. He called me disgusting. He called me crazy. He called me out of my mind. Um, and he called me dangerous. And then he took a few more steps, and after I had recognized his, uh, after I had recognized his, his comments as rude, he walked away and said, I'm rude. You're calling me rude. I took a few steps ahead and I walked inside and cast my vote. I walked back out and there were reporters in the front of the Capitol and in front of reporters, Representative Yoho called me and I quote, a fucking bitch. These are the words that Representative Yoho levied against a congresswoman. The congresswoman that not only represents New York's 14th congressional district, but every congresswoman and every woman in this country. Because all of us have had to deal with this in some form, some way, some shape, at some point in our lives. And I want to be clear that Representative Yoho's comments were not deeply hurtful or piercing to me. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to stop it right there for just a second. Does anyone else find it strange that she's like three minutes into a ten-minute rant about how his words were bad, so mean, so bad, yet she admits in under three minutes that his words weren't deeply piercing or hurtful? Anybody? Anybody? No? No? All right, let's continue. Because I have worked a working-class job. I have waited tables in restaurants. I have ridden the subway. I have walked the streets in New York City. And this kind of language is not new. I have encountered words uttered by Mr. Yoho and men uttering the same words as Mr. Yoho 
while I was being harassed in restaurants. I have tossed men out of bars that have used language like Mr. Yoho's. And I have encountered this type of harassment riding the subway in New York City. This is not new. And that is the problem. Mr. Yoho was not alone. He was walking shoulder to shoulder with Representative Roger Williams. Because not only have I been spoken to disrespectfully, particularly by members of the Republican Party and elected officials in the Republican Party, not just here, but the President of the United States last year told me to go home to another country is the implication that I don't even belong in America. The governor of Florida, Governor DeSantis, before I even was sworn in, called me a whatever that is. Dehumanizing language is not new. And what we are seeing is that incidents like these are happening in a pattern. This is a pattern of, of an attitude towards women and dehumanization of others. I, I honestly thought that I, I was just going to pack it up and go home. It's just another day, right? But then yesterday, Representative Yoho decided to come to the floor of the House of Representatives and make excuses for his behavior. And that I could not let go. I could not allow my nieces, I could not allow the little girls that I go home to, I could not allow victims of verbal abuse and worse to see that, to see that excuse and to see our Congress accept it as legitimate and accept it as an apology and to accept silence as a form of acceptance. This entire rant was nothing more than victimization. It's pulling the victim card in epic proportions. She basically says that women are oppressed and looked at as unequal. She went on to tell how outrageous, how egregious it is that the senator used his time on the floor to quote unquote make excuses while using her time on the floor to complain. I mean, my curiosity is, is if he said it, which I, I've not seen anything showing this. I haven't seen any news reports on it other than, than articles claiming that he said it. I want to know where the lie is. I mean, truly, truly, where is the lie in AOC being disgusting, AOB, AOC being dangerous and out of her mind. I mean, this is the woman who equivalated the, the ICE detention centers with concentration camps. This is, this is the woman who advocates for completely open borders. I, I, I just want to make this perfectly clear. AOC, I, I doubt you're listening, but I hope somebody who is around you does hear this, because my question is, when was the last time that America had open borders? I'll give you a hint. 
it was about the time that Christopher Columbus came over here and killed a lot of people and took the land. That was the last time we had open borders. Is that what you're advocating for? Because if that's the case, then you're more insane than I thought you were. This is the woman who claimed that ICE was trafficking small children in and out of our country. Let that sink in, folks. If disgusting, dangerous, and out of your mind doesn't describe Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, there's no word that does. So I want to know, where's the lie? Now, if he called you an F and B, I don't necessarily agree with that verbiage, although I call you that on at least a weekly basis, because you are. You act like one, you, you just give off that F and B aura. You truly do. Do I think he should have said that in public? No. But, while he shouldn't have said that, you shouldn't go on a 10 minute rant while complaining about him going on his time and making his quote unquote excuses. That's called a double standard. That's why you're a moron. Another question that I would have. If women are unequal... Exactly how are you a congresswoman? You depicted it in your little speech there that you are an elected official congresswoman for the 14th district of New York City. If you are unequal, how did you get that? How are there any women in Congress or the Senate? Hell, I know a woman right now who ran for president a few years ago and almost won. How exactly are you unequal? How exactly are his bad, not bad, deeply piercing, non-hurtful, not piercing words, how are they any different? How is that? It boils down to AOC was throwing that victim card around in an effort to paint the right as hating women. This is literally just a ploy to pull women's votes away from Trump heading into November. That's it. Nobody truly thinks women are unequal in 2020, except blue-haired feminist and AOC, and I'm not even certain AOC believes it. She just spews about it in an attempt to derail any women's votes for President Donald Trump. Now, as of now... Senator Yoho hasn't responded, but I fully look forward to round two of AOC versus Yoho. I truly do. I cannot wait to see that. And finally, before we go, the social media powers that be have spoken. And they have chosen to dictate which doctors, which medical professionals to listen to. Monday, a group of medical doctors with medical degrees had a press conference on the steps of the U.S. Supreme Court and touted the good effects of hydroxychloroquine that they have on COVID-19. 
Donald Trump, along with his son, Don Jr., retweeted and shared the video before it was almost immediately deleted or censored by Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube simultaneously. Don Jr. was penalized for his tweet of the video clip claiming it went against the Twitter standards. Twitter forced him to delete the tweet and restricted his account, not allowing him to tweet, retweet, like, or comment for 12 hours. So social media is now dictating what's medically sound and what's not. It's crazy, because medically and scientifically it's been proven thousands of times that life begins at conception. But Twitter allows pro-choicers to actively and abundantly tweet and post about how babies should be murdered at any time whenever the mother wants. They allow the great and wonderful Dr. Fauci to continuously claim that masks are a necessity when it's medically proven they don't have much more of an advantage over non-mask users. Or that he made himself told us four months ago not to even buy them or use them at all. He, he literally told us that. He said, do not go out and buy them. Social media is leading the charge against the First Amendment. They've been doing it for years now. And lately, they've ramped it up. They are shadow banning conservatives. They are censoring anything right of the left. They are bullying anyone who speaks out against the narrative of the left. That's why this election is probably the biggest election of our lifetime. If we concede control of our rights to the leftist mob, we will not be America in a year. I guarantee you it. I'm calling it right now. The silent majority needs to stand up against the left and stop being silent. Start being the loud majority. Start, start arguing back. Start pushing back a little bit. This silent majority thing is great, but it needs to stop now. It was, it was good to start. It was good to catch them off guard four years ago. We can't do that this time. We have to take a stand. We have to say, this is the line in the sand. This is where it stops. Because otherwise, we will not be America in a year. After this election, if the left takes control, if, the, the, if we bend at the knee to the leftist mob, we will be given up to the first country that comes along. It will happen. You mark my words. This is the biggest election of our collective lifetime. And that's all the time we have this week, folks. I appreciate you listening. Please remember to like, share, comment, subscribe, and tune in each and every week. Also, don't miss the new second weekly show, the Johnny Ray Debate Show, airing every week where I have a special guest to come on and talk from all things from abortion to politics to music, movies, entertainment, all the good stuff. So don't miss out on that. Make sure and tune into that as well. Like, share, subscribe that. And have a great night and God bless.